It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Farmer Friday means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com, which is a great way to send pictures, soil tests, plant tissue tests, those types of things. And you know what? If you want to send us a picture or a test or something you want us to look at and then call in as well, that's great. We'd love to have you do that. Brian, you got so much to get into. you got a bunch of questions already that have come in in the last couple of days that we haven't gotten to. I'm excited to, to dig into those and lots of stuff going on in the field. Anything you want to talk about before we get started? Yep, there sure is. I've been getting a lot of calls this week from agronomists and farmers about seed corn shoots that are pointed the wrong direction. They're supposed to be headed up to the surface of the soil, yet they're going down. And people are wondering, well, why is this happening? Usually basically just happens because the ground's really cold. So I'll just tell you, like on our farm, we we did have pretty good luck, but we have great seed treatment. We do all these extra things that we've talked about all spring long. And so we don't really have that issue typically. But there are a lot of people who aren't having the extra seed treatments put on, using any of these other products to make that seed germinate quickly. And even if you do that, it's still possible that because the ground's so cold that the shoot could head downward. Now, here's one other thing that I want you to think about. There is a product in development today for a planter where the seed corn orientation can be relatively uniform. And what I mean by that is simply this. We've been able to prove that you can have faster emergence if the tip of that corn kernel is faced down. If the tip of the corn kernel is faced up, then what happens is the roots have to grow, the initial roots, the radical, uh, has to grow all the way around the plant. The shoot has to grow around the plant. It just doesn't work uh, as the plant doesn't work as efficiently to get itself, number one, out of the ground, and number two, roots headed downward and establishing the best root system possible. So that's one of the other factors that enters into this. So what I'm saying is you may look at your field and you dig up one plant and you go, oh, this one's perfect. And the very next one, the shoot's going downward and you go, what in the world's going on? Why is this one different than that one? Well, it simply could have been how that seed fell in the seed trench. So I'm just saying this is one of the next steps that you'll see coming within the next 10 years. You're going to see it this summer at the Ag PhD field. Yep. But planter, uh, planter efficiency, planter, uh, the way the planter places the seed, if that seed is correctly oriented, you will have less of these issues that I'm talking about right now. You will also see faster emergence and better overall yields. So anyway, just something for you to be taking a look at when you're out digging around. If you see that shoot going the wrong direction, hopefully it's not happening in a big way. And usually the plant corrects itself. Now it's possible it might not, but usually the plant corrects itself and it figures out, uh, I'm headed the wrong direction. I'm going to start growing the other way. And 
you just see delayed emergence with that, and then obviously that plant suffers. So we don't want that, but sometimes it happens in a very cold spring like we had this year. I think I just read something like for our region of the United States, it was the fifth coldest May in, I don't remember how many years, 30 years or something like that. It was it was very cold, first half of May, I should say. First half of May, super cold weather, way below normal temps. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, got a message here. It's from Caleb in Wisconsin. He said, uh, thanks for your answer on the anhydrous and potentially making ground harder. I'm, I'm curious about what your preferred form of nitrogen is on the farm. You've talked about quite a few different ones that you've used in the past. We've been using mainly anhydrous and ammonium sulfate because the nitrogen is in the ammoniacal form. Just wondering what your thoughts are. Um, my preference for nitrogen is what's the cheapest? So, and I'll be honest too, I don't really care all that much. If anhydrous is that much cheaper, we'd go that direction. doesn't bother me. It's just you have to treat any one of these three main forms, liquid, dry, or anhydrous, you have to treat them all dramatically differently. So for example, anhydrous, we will only put on in the fall. We figure by the time that ground is fit, as deep as we need to put anhydrous on in the spring, we already should have been planting a week ago. So we will never put anhydrous on in the spring. With liquid, that's great. I really like it, but it's kind of bulky. You got to, I mean, you got to spray a lot of gallons and we do a fair amount of that on our farm. But when we're going for big time yields, we're talking 250, 300 bushel corn. You think about how many gallons of nitrogen that is, it's a lot. Uh, with the urea, the biggest thing there is you got to do it within 48 hours before a rain or tillage. But if you don't like to till and you say, well, I still want to use urea. Okay. Number one, I would treat it. So I would have a stabilizer with it. And two, I would still try to time it as much as you can before rain, because you will start to lose urea much faster than you will start losing liquid 28%. So anyway, yeah, I, I don't really care exactly what we use like this year. Okay, so for us, the last three years, we haven't been able to use any anhydrous because the price has been as high or higher than the liquid or the dry. So we've gone a combination of liquid and dry. And what we did this year, for example, is anything where we were going to work the ground, we put urea on. Anything we weren't where we weren't going to work the ground, then we put liquid nitrogen on. All right. Thanks for that question. Let's head to, uh, well, we get a, a bunch of them here, Brian. We get backpack sprayer questions. And, and these are, there's generally a lot of different weeds that farmers are after with backpacks. I would say we get a lot of dandelion questions. We get a lot of crabgrass hey, questions. Okay. Let me, let, all right. Let me throw out two quick things since we don't have a lot of time here. Don't use dicamba. Don't use stinger. Stinger can be hard on your eyes and dicamba contains benzene. That's a proven cancer causer. Don't use that when you're in a backpack sprayer. 2,4-D, great. Like Freelex, great. That's typically what we want to use. The big problem is the rate varies so much depending on how fast you walk. So you might have to vary that. It takes a little trial and error. Make sure you're using a good strong rate to get good weed control. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento fungicide from FMC. 
Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday. We would love to hear from you all throughout the show. Our phone lines will be open, 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, Darren, do you want to finish up that question we got just before the break? We are talking about backpack sprayer. Okay, so... So, yeah, I, I was trying to hopefully get it all done before no, we and hit those, our break. and those so. are the most common products that we talk about. And so we get those questions a lot. But every once in a while, we get some different ones. And this one was kind of interesting. So... Uh, we're talking about a four-gallon backpack sprayer that Derek has got, and, and he's wondering how much to mix in that tank. And that's always a tough question because it always depends on how fast you're going to walk. Are you pumping yep. out tons of liquid or are it's you going to spread it over? Error. So kind of yep. keep track of how far you get and how fast you're going, how quick that tank runs out. And if you're if you're really good at this, you, you figure out, okay, here's how fast I walk. I'm just going to spray water the first time and spray okay. for 15 minutes, get it out, and you measure how far you went and you know exactly what rates to use but yep. he's asking about two products that we don't get a lot of questions on sulfentrazone and pendimethalin now pendimethalin if you get that That's out prowl. there at the right time yes the and same sulfentrazone is, is spartan or authority same thing yeah, the pendimethalin can be really helpful in some of the annual grasses that we're fighting in a perennial okay. grass lawn. Right. Yep. The sulfentrazone, though, I hadn't heard of that one getting put out in a lawn-type situation before, but it could be a large garden as well, I guess. Yeah, so you have to be a little bit careful with some of the products you're going to use that have residual. If it's just contact activity, like Roundup, for example, then it's not as big a deal if you overdo it, but... Yeah, if you if you overdid it with pendimethalin, you could possibly damage your lawn a little bit. So be a little bit careful, but it's not all that challenging. Uh, I will say, too, if you want to throw in some insecticide, you certainly can around the lawn. That's a good idea. If you want control of ticks and mosquitoes and ants and spiders and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so lots of different options when you're out spraying 
around your house. Let's get to the phone lines. We got John calling in from Maryland. John, how's it going today? How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for hanging on for us there. What can we do for you? Yeah, so I have two questions in there. They're yep. not related, but um, the first question is, so we're putting down uh, Visual Pro and Metribuzin and Roundup for our burn down for soybeans, and yep. we've already run Roundup in uh, 2,4-D earlier in the season, but uh, so there's not that much cover out there. And I was just curious about uh, planting before or after we spray because the Roundup, I was under the impression because it's systemic that you want the plant to be healthy when you apply the Roundup. Ideally. Uh, and But with the Sharpen, it's a contact killer. And and so I was wondering if we could, if uh, wounding the plant with the, uh, planter. With the drills or, yep. the, or the planter would mess that up. And really, the Roundup does a fine job on what it will kill, which is primarily the the uh you know the grasses or whatever so it doesn't yep. seem to have a problem with that and and we're really after the mare's tail and the ragweed and uh and i was just wondering if uh if it would be better to plant before if i if i could plant i mean if i could plant before i spray because i, I really don't want to work in the chemicals what's your average temperature over the next three days highs and lows just roughly uh 80s 90s and it hasn't rained in like Two, three weeks, it's dry. Okay, but uh, low temp, 60s? Yeah, I, okay. I would, in that range. Okay, so here's yeah, the... I would, say, I would say maybe 80s and 70s. Yeah, okay. I was going to guess. <laughs> sure. The radar into the weather is that close. I just now, no rain in the forecast. <laughs> okay. Right, I paid attention to that one. Yep, okay. So here's the reason why I asked that question, John. We talk about planting soybeans really early in our region of the country, and we planted all our beans the last part of April. For us, because the temperatures at the time were 50s for highs and 30s for lows, it took us two to three weeks for those beans to come out of the ground. With your talk of 80s in the daytime, 70s at night, we're talking three days. In three days, those beans are going to be out of the ground. So here, here's my point. For us, a lot of times, we like planting first, and then we wait a week or maybe even 10 days, and then we go spray our burn down. Well, we're going to have more weeds up, the weather's warmer, and we have a better chance to get a good kill. For you, your weather's already warm. You can get a great kill today. You can get a great kill after. And you just don't have a lot of time in terms of the spraying after. So in your case, I would spray it beforehand just to make sure that I actually get it done. Because what will happen is if all of a sudden a rainstorm pops up and you can't get back out there for two days, you're going to go, uh-oh, I can't spray anymore. Well, now you lost that sharpen. You lost the metribes and you can't even use those anymore once the crop is up. So I wouldn't take the chance. If it was me in your environment, I would spray before I planted. Well, we have enough help where we can keep the sprayer pretty much with the planter. And I was just wondering if if it would still do a good enough job if we did it, if we sprayed after we planted. Well, it's going to be pretty good, but you, you hit the nail on the head. When you go through with a planter or drill or whatever, you are going to, number one, damage some plants. And number two, you're going to get some dirt on plants. And so that's why a lot of times we don't say spray immediately behind the planter or drill. Even if you have enough help, if you're two hours after you just went across it, that plant is not going to take the product in super well. And because of the dirt or dust that may have gotten kicked on 
onto the leaves, you're not going to find the same performance as you would have had you sprayed an hour or two before you planted. Now, preferably, if it was me, I would spray a day before I planted because that'll give more time for the sharpen, the roundup, everything to get into the weed and fully kill it, even if you ding it up the next day. Okay, so sharpen does work better on a healthy plant is, I guess, my question. Well... It's not as much the healthy plant thing. It definitely is for Roundup. That's absolutely true for Roundup. But what I think about with the Sharpen and this spraying after I'm planting is I do worry about, okay, the plant's already, number one, dinged up, and number two, there's dust. There ends up being dust after you run through, and you just brought up, hey, it's really dry. Well, you're going to have more dust. And when you have dust on there, that partially neutralizes that herbicide, and not all of it that you sprayed ends up getting into the plant. So, yes, you'll have better performance ahead of time. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to ask about the dust, too. We're not used to it that much out here like you guys. But it's dusty now. Oh, we're very used but, uh, to it. So, yes, I'm an expert in dust, John. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was listening to your show the other day, and you said something about the gauge wheels putting dust back in the trench. Yep, we're yep. Sending the, we're going to send the beans to China and uh, as you get to the moisture. And, uh, and I, tell, I told Pop, I said, hey, you know, I just learned that on the show. Check the gauge wheels and... Uh, Dag on if we didn't adjust the gauge wheel and kept the uh, the dirt out of the trench. You know, one of the great things, John, that we talk about all the time is we do get to work with farmers all around the United States and Canada. And we have our own experience. We farm about 3,200 acres here, too. But the more experiences you have, just the more well-rounded everything is. And so every once in a while, you get into a situation you're not normally in. We've got that experience from all these other things. So a lot of times we can answer those kind of questions and hopefully help you out when you get in an abnormal year. And uh, we'll pray for some rain for you. You, John, and hopefully things will turn out great. Yeah. Hey, can, do you have time for one more? Sure. Question? Yeah. Go ahead. Quick question. Go ahead. Okay. So I guess I guess here's how it started. So it's dry here, and my girlfriend has a juicer, and uh, and she stuck a carrot in the juicer. And I said, "Wow, look at all that juice coming out of that carrot." Well, that's pretty impressive. And then I heard you guys talking about cover crops and using them out west and it being dry. And I said, "Well, why don't y'all find a cover crop that puts moisture in the ground?" like a carrot <laughs> uh yeah that's possible but at at some point that plant's got to use moisture to grow the actual plant and what we're worried about isn't the long-term moisture we're worried about the moisture right now well and too well, we I, are I, in I, some cases worried that. about the long-term moisture and zap it before it uh totally matures and you'd have a root in the ground with some moisture in it I don't know. It's just a thought. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it's possible. I, I, I agree with you. If you pick the right cover crop, you could have more moisture out there. It's just a lot of people, when they talk cover crop, they talk cereal rye. Well, when you're talking cereal rye, that's not going to add moisture back into your soil, in my experience. So, yep, I agree right. with you. If you pick the right cover crop, it could be better. But, I, I mean, we're. Let me, let me say one last quick thing. We've had nine inches of total precip in over 10 months. So, I mean, we're not talking dry. We're talking extremely dry. Uh, it's actually fairly humid for us. Usually it's pretty humid as we get to summer, but still we got a lot of concerns with super dry weather. Hey, John, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. 
New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to leading herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Cheetah, a high-quality glufosinate herbicide made right here in the USA. Now for use on a wide variety of crops with glufosinate-resistant traits, including Enlist crops. Its novel mode of action will manage existing or emerging herbicide resistance and provide fast, effective results. This means you can focus more on profitability and less on weeds. New Farm and Cheetah Herbicide, here to help. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us here in the Morton studio. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. you got Lane, who's been holding on with us for a little bit down in Missouri. Lane, thanks so much for hanging on there, and thanks for uh, the chance to talk to you today. No problem. It's my pleasure. So how are things going on your farm this year? Oh, kind of like a roller coaster. We, uh, we had a really good end of March, beginning of April. It was warm, and it seemed like spring had finally sprung. You know, it's warm, sunny, it dried out, and actually, you know, some guys got some stuff in the ground. And then whole month of April, rest, the rest of the month from about the second week on, turned out wet and cold for the next about three weeks. And then we got another, oh, two- or three-week window at the end of April into the beginning of May. And now we're not really cold, but we're still – now we're really wet. So now we're just – trying to keep everything keep everything's feet out of the water right now is what we're doing 
Yeah, the wet is is sometimes tough. So what kind of soil have you got? Is it kind of heavier ground, or or do you have some lighter, sandier stuff too? We got about everything. <laughs> Actually, I sent you guys a soil sample here back in the in the winter time. I mean, we have one field that has CECs anywhere. I mean, this is just a seventy acre field to give you an idea. It's got a CEC anywhere from nine to thirty one in the same field. Um, so, I mean, we kind of have stuff all over, but a lot of it is more of a clay, loamy clay kind of soil type. Okay. So with the crop that got in then through the conditions that you've had, does it look pretty decent? Yeah. Yeah, we plant, uh, we have soybeans, corn, and conventional corn in the ground. Um, our conventional is actually a food-grade corn, and it struggles a lot when it gets wet. It does not have a lot of seedling vigor for the most part. It really struggles to get its head out of the ground and then, Topple that with some cool wet weather and it's kind of struggled. But all of the rest of the stuff, we all of our beans are out of the ground. Uh, actually, ninety-five percent of the corn's out of the ground too. So, so far, what we got planted early looks really good. V two already, and we're pretty happy with what we have so far. Hey, talk to us about that food grade conventional corn because that sounds like a good opportunity for your farm to make a little extra money. Do you manage it pretty much the same, or there's some extra tricks you have to do to improve the the uh, qualities that the processors are looking for? No, it's, it's, you, you really just farm it like a normal conventional corn. We kind of call it a diva corn <laughs> because, I mean, it just is so sensitive to everything. I mean, it is weather, disease, everything. It's very sensitive. So you do have to be pretty proactive in managing it. Um, you know, I mean, when it comes to weed management, having good soil conditions, everything, I mean, from start to finish, you got to be careful with it because it, it is pretty particular. But as for, uh, special management no i mean of course there's no roundup or anything like that you could put on it and you just try and get the best thing but i mean it's it's a lighter corn it's a high really really high starch corn is what it is and so it it's very particular but i mean a heavy test weight for that corn is 52 53 pounds it's a heavy test weight for that corn and so it's just it's a whole different animal than farming like you know 116 117 day gmo corn i guess you would say yeah so. yeah absolutely well that makes it interesting so do you put that on following the soybeans then so you take a little bit of that pressure off by not having it be corn on corn we like to we just really depends on the markets i mean if it if it's on ground that just makes more economical sense to plant it back to corn we do but i mean we like to go corn bean uh, rotation but it does the best on if you follow soybeans with it. It does better because you can just get the ground in much better condition. We we do till. We don't do like a full conventional till. I guess you could call it reduced tillage, uh, strip tillage, and light tillage. So I guess really four inches or less of tillage, um, which just kind of trying to manage that residue helps a lot. Getting that residue broke down, get it down the soil. But we do have some issues sometimes. We, we It's one of those crops that you, no matter what the year is, no matter what markets are, you fungicide you have to otherwise it'll just have a hard time making it through the year without getting a bunch of disease in it yeah it sounds like it that's it is fun it is fun to have something like that that you really have to work hard on because when you get that successful crop it's it's really worth it now what kind of yield do you get out of that honestly most years we shoot for 150 to 160 wow it's, it's kind of crazy that's, that's really pretty good for low test weight and and as you termed it diva corn it is it's taken some years you know it just really depends i mean some years you'll it'll drop down that one tens one twenties if it's a tough year 
we like to we always shoot for that 150 160 we haven't even had 170s in it before um it's just crazy you know you get like last year we had white corn right next to this corn you know there's a gravel road splitting it and they got similar management you don't have to put as much nutrients on the uh high starch corn just because you're not you're not getting the same yield out of it you would out of your white corn but you know you go one side of the road and you get 200 plus and you go the other side and you're happy if you get 150 it is it's kind of hard to manage sometimes because you always look at it. It'll break your heart because you look at it right there at that R2, R3 stage. And it's starting to, you know, it's in that milk phase. And you're like, man, this, this corn looks just as big as my yellow corn across the road or my white corn across the road. And then you get to maturity and that ear just shrinks and it loses all of its weight. And you're like, oh my gosh, what happened? And, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's why they pay a premium for this kind of crop because you can feed it and feed it, and if you hit 170, 180, my goodness, you have a heck of a year. So, I mean, that's that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then doing it on variable soils, too, adds to the degree of difficulty, which we can appreciate. Brad and I have some ground like that, too, that, that really varies out there, which makes it an extra challenge. And, and, of course, extra fun when you have a year like this. Like you said, you start off nice and warm, and you think, man, everything's going to be great. And then then here you go, wet and cold and, and different challenges. Well, good luck to you, Lane. This this sounds like it's going to be an interesting year for you. Hope hope everything works out good so you do that 170, 180 and just knock it out of the park yeah yes sir thank you you bet thanks yeah brian we got uh get a number of questions and and comments that come in and and this is a really good one this comes from doug in illinois and he he said i want to just tell you guys a little bit about your ag phd soils app you guys are pretty modest i've been using your mapping program and and soil test results from midwest labs for several years it's without question the best tool that i use to manage nutrients that i've ever had i wish it would have started 20 years ago especially when it comes to micros the web-based colored maps that it creates are a quick reference i refer to you often and you finally refer to your dad talking about $100 an hour jobs. This is 10x. The changes we've made to our fertility program because of it have been the single biggest factor to increasing yields and profitability in our farm. Wow, Doug, that's uh, that's some glowing compliments there and, and very nice words. And, and I tell you what, I, I do agree with you, though. It is a really nice tool. We've been using it on our farm, too. That's that's why we want to share it with everybody else. So glad you're getting a lot of benefit out of that and and really happy for your farm. Let's get back to the phone lines here. We got D- JD on with us right now up in Michigan. JD, thanks, thanks uh, for for calling in. How are you doing? You know what? We're doing very well. How are crops up there? You know, well, uh, the winter wheat is good, but uh, we haven't had rain in a while. And we had just like your guy you was talking to, in Missouri. We had a good start. It got cold, and um, and. My hay, you know, it's it's just starting to get buds on it, and I, you know, I'm thinking I'd be able to get a, a good first cutting, you know, and get a uh, a really good amount, but it really doesn't look good. I need some rain bad, you know, so a little tough. Yep, yep, yeah. One of my buddies was just uh, out in the state of Michigan, and he said, "Yeah, it's 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 not great out there right now. They could use some better weather too." So the the hay, if you get, you're gonna take this first cutting off then, and you're just hoping to get a little moisture to get some regrowth. I'm actually we got some possibilities of rain coming in on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Okay, and I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait it out. I you know it'd be nice if I could get. You know, a half an inch, I think, would just really, really help it out. Oh, and, you know, yeah. and obviously it's for the grass. You know, the grass is not as thick as it was last year. And, 
I need to get it a little thicker. That's all. You said the but winter wheat good. looks good. How far along is it now? Well, it's nice and green, and it's getting tall. You know, it's it's looking good. It is. And and my actually my my one buddy, he's got the field right next to me, and uh, he he does a great job. I mean, he's uh, I think he sprayed it twice this year, and it's it looks good. It looks real healthy, and I know he really wants some rain on it too. But looks good. Yeah, best I've seen it been a challenging and interesting year for sure we're talking with jd up in michigan well jd we're, we're praying for rain for a lot of people right now i know we'll add, we'll add you to that list and pray for some rain and some good sunshine for you up in michigan all right thank you you guys have a great day you bet thank you too it's farmer friday and ag phd radio we would love to talk to you and hear how things are going on your farm and help with any agronomic questions our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This is Quick Dick McDick from Tufnell asking you, have you heard of Mandaco Land Rollers? They're the ones with the green paint, and I'm not talking about the green paint that requires a technician and a laptop to fix. I'm talking about the Mandaco green paint that doesn't need fixing because it's built tough. We're talking 5-8 thick, 42-inch diameter drums, people, and I've learned never to talk about size unless you can back it up when a measuring tape gets pulled out. So keep your seed and rocks in the ground where they belong and get yourself a roller at mandaco.com. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. 
Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got John with us now up in Quebec, Canada. John, how's it going today? Going well. It's uh, pretty warm up here. Awesome. Uh, about 30 degrees Celsius, which I don't know. It's getting pretty warm, probably 85. Yeah. Like yeah, that is warm. That's that's unusual for the last month or so for for a lot of folks, I guess. Are you getting some sunshine then? Uh, it's it's cloudy today. We're kind of hoping we get some rain uh, soon because we're very dry, and uh, we've only had about an inch and a quarter rain in the last month. And uh, anyway, it, we it'll, it'll rain sometime. All right, Fortunately, I'm gonna... we had some some soils that will. We'll uh, stand that. I'm going to blame all this dry weather, John, on my brother because he a lot of times says, you know, when I want to have a drought, I want to have it when we're planting so I can get all my stuff done. Then it can rain. And the problem is that there's still guys planting, Brian, and we're we're just we're never going to get rain at this rate. So it's all my brother's <laughs> fault, John. That's what's going on. Well, I'll tell you, this, these are the best planting conditions we've had Uh for a long time because it's dry and uh you know and so one field wasn't quite ready we waited two days you know i didn't have to worry about it going to rain we knew it was going to be dry so and it's really good conditions so all it has to do is grow now all right with these crop prices this year did you guys change anything up or are you staying with your normal rotation uh we stayed with our normal rotation uh we could have we, there are very, very little that we could have changed, uh, but uh, you know, I always, we always think that it's better to stay, uh, stay with your rotation. And if you change it, uh, you know, we have a six-year rotation and it kind of screws everything up. Wow! Uh, you know, down the road. Yep, so. yep. Talk to us about that. What do you have in your crop rotation? Uh, we have uh, two years of corn. Well, no, not, that's that's not exactly correct. Uh, we do we do some corn on corn. Uh, we'll have a and then we'll have a, a beans, another year of corn, and then a, a processing uh, peas or processing beans the following year. So it's it's, uh, it, it's five or six years. We have to have five or six years uh, in our rotation because of the peas that we go for processing. Otherwise, we run into disease problems. Sure. Uh, bean, the, the beans aren't so bad, but the peas are mostly root rot. And it's, uh, if you lose, it'll go through a field in about three days. If it's, uh, you know, starts turning yellow and then it's finished. Yeah, and it's that, usually just about harvest time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After you've done all the work and made all the investment and then it's gone. So, no, that's something I think a lot of non-farmers don't understand. I'm glad you glad you uh, detailed that a little bit, John, to just talk about the importance. And, and some of these crops we can't put in the same field over and over again. We've got to have a long window in between to make sure we're utilizing every advantage we can to keep disease and insects and other problems out of those crops, especially with processing crops like that that are going for food yeah uh one question i'd like to ask you is um 
Oh, some some years ago, I like we uh, okay. So I'll preface it by saying that we planted one field on April 27th in corn, and then two days later we got a pretty that inch and a quarter rain, and it it crusted over pretty badly, and then we suffered through oh, two weeks of cooler weather. So the corn didn't really do anything. So my question is, uh, what I heard a few years ago was that if if you apply calcium to the field, you'll have less crusting. Well, that could I mean, be. I don't mean the same. I don't mean the same year, but I mean sure. uh, beforehand. Yes, uh, ba- the base saturation of ours is somewhere between sixty and seventy. Okay. For them, for the most part. Sure. When you're already between sixty and seventy, to think that you're going to add calcium and it's going to make a dramatic difference in the crusting, mm-hmm. it's probably not. If you were okay. less than 60 or 70, um, you know, that would definitely help. So, I mean, could you bump it to maybe 75? Sure, but you just don't want to get too far because now you're getting it out of balance for everything else that you need that for. But, yeah, the more residue you have, the more organic matter you have, and the more calcium you have, those are three big factors that, that go into this whole crusting thing. And the residue, in our experience, has really been number one. And so for a lot of these farmers, Farmers who are going no-till or reduced till, that does make a difference compared to conventional till where we used to have that ground pretty black. Mm-hmm. Well, most of our corn is no-till, but this was a it was soybean last year, so there wasn't much there. Sure. You know, and there's, not, there's never very much uh, residue. Yeah, so, yep. Anyway, the one thing I will tell you, too, is we did, we invested in some... Uh, spike wheels, plastic spike wheels for our soybean planter. Yep. And we did two acres with them and took them off because it was so dry mm-hmm. that we went back to the cast the cast uh, closing wheels. Yep. The, 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 the other ones, they just left it too loose. Yeah. And we were afraid it was going to dry out. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There are different closing wheels out there, and it's hard to get the right one depending on the conditions. So when you talk about that soil being dry, for us, we farm some super heavy ground and also some very light ground. Well, it just seems like it never works to have one kind of closing wheel, and it's great for every single acre you've got for the whole season. So we understand your frustration, John. <laughs> well, anyway, it was, it's you know they're there for another year, so yeah, I'm sure they're working on a damper year. So, <laughs> all right, well, hey, John, great talking to you today. Appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you. You bet. Thanks. Have a good day. You too. Let's head over to Ontario, Canada. We've got John with us over there. John, how are you doing? Not bad. Yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. What's uh, the crop situation in your part of the world? Are you guys dry as well? Yes, very dry. Yes. Uh, I think the last uh, for the last month, I don't believe we've had half an inch of rain here. So, but crops are progressing okay. Uh, we could get them in the moisture on our farm. Uh, we've had a struggle with one farm planted April seventeenth. There was uh, four inches of snow. Uh, never believed that that could hurt germ. Uh, so we've been walking the field quite a bit this week, and it's it's not worth a replant, but it's definitely not the stand I want. Uh, corn after that planted 10 days all came up. So that was kind of a concerning thing when I drove by and actually walked it, flagged it. And I'm at the worst 22,000 at the best. Uh, my target population was 34. So at the best I'm 33. So 
it's too late now. I don't think I want to go back in and drop a planter. So it's a two different hybrids, two different companies. Can't see a difference in either. So I'm thinking both hybrids will flex. So it'll be a wait to see thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's no fun when you get those things that you almost wish it just killed it all. So so it'd make an easy decision, but by the same token, you know, planting a month later is it doesn't have quite the yield potential either. So you're giving up a little bit that way too. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we're looking at right now. Um, otherwise, beans planted uh, a week ago are out of the ground. Uh, test plot in corn planted uh, seven, eight days ago out of the ground. Uh, the stand is looking really, really good. Um, weed control is iffy. Uh, Roundup intake uh, plants are not growing. It's very, very hot here right now. So it shouldn't be in the 90s in May here in southern Ontario, but it is. So um yeah we're hoping for rain actually i just took off fishing today and i just got back so <laughs> well you know when we're cold then we can get by for a little while in a drought but when it starts warming up like that ew, it it can be bad in a hurry yeah so there's no much there's not much rain in the forecast right now um so but like i say i've been digging you know we we planted uh Oh, an inch and a half to two inches our soybeans into the moisture. They're all going to be there. I know there's some guys out there, you know, talking around the neighborhood, struggling right now. Um, thought maybe to work their ground down a couple weeks ago and hopefully get a rain. Normally in May, that's not a bad decision, but this year it, it looks like it could be. You know what? That's a great point, John. Uh, thanks for calling in. We really appreciate it. Great talking to you. Hopefully you guys catch some rain soon. We, we had the same situation on our farm. Brian had talk to me because i said man i want to get in and do a little tillage here and he's like don't get too far ahead of the planter on a year like this he was a hundred percent right and we did get a good stand because we waited and planted right after it's farmer friday and ag phd radio and we'll be right back after this Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases the seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Introducing the next generation of weed control in wheat, Wide AR Match Herbicide. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a typo? I mean, there's an AR in the middle of Wide Match. Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide R Match Herbicide. Oh, my bad. From the top. <clears throat> Introducing Wide R Match from Corteva Agriscience. It's not a typo. It's an upgrade. The AR stands for RLX Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds in wheat. Talk with your retailer to learn more. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, 
and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice, with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio on a Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And, man, it seems like it's been the drought show. Uh, I've got John on with us right now. Please tell me you guys are getting a little bit of moisture. Uh, well, we have a little bit of moisture in the ground, but we haven't had any appreciable rain for about three weeks now. Oh, boy. So it's dry here, too. Dry from our perspective. Um, not as, it's not Montana or Alberta dry, but it's dry. All right. So let me ask you this question. Would you rather have it a little too dry or a little too wet? So we went through the summer of, or the spring of 2019, as did you. And I would much rather have it a little too dry this time of year than way too wet. Cause we're, um, we just started soybeans here today, which we're not the first to get started. There's a lot of crop in the ground already, but in 2019, we didn't turn a wheel in the soybean field to about the 25th of June. Oof. So I'd much rather have this. Much rather have this. Yeah, yeah, I would too. I'll, I'll take a wet July and August. That'd be just fine for me. If we ever get that, that'd be a miracle. Yep. All right, so what's happening, John? What's happening on the farm? Does, does stuff look decent then? You got it in the ground? You got enough moisture to get things to start the way it sounds? Yeah, I, we planted some corn earlier this week that I think we're going to, the old saying goes, it's nice when you see your, your seed twice in one week and uh that corn got planted on sunday and i think it's going to be up tomorrow at the, at the latest so it's it's hot and there is soil moisture so crops are coming fast but the weed in the area that survived the winter uh looks pretty good uh the hay crop is a little tough because it's been actually it's been really cold and um even though it was really nice at the end of march and the early part of april put you in mind of planting spring grains if you had any. Um, it, then it got cold through the latter part of April and the early part of May. So even when we started planting corn 10 days ago, the soil was no more than ready. Like it was it was dry on top, but you didn't have to go far down to the end of the month. So we have to be careful. You know, one of the problems that we've seen this year too, a lot of the pre-emerge herbicides just haven't had enough moisture to really get working. Are you seeing tremendous weed pressure yet, or has it been dry enough the weeds aren't really coming too bad? That's exactly correct. The weeds aren't a real problem yet, um, and we're supposed to catch some rain tonight, so hopefully the, the, the pre-plant 
stuff or creamery stuff that we put on a few days ago will get activated. But uh, who knows? They've been promising rain several different times over the last few weeks, and it's really, you know, you might get enough to wet your windshield but not get all the dust off your vehicle, if you know what I mean. It's kind of interesting. We get some some feedback from not our non farm listeners that say, "Man, you farmers, you talk about the weather all the time." But uh, I don't know if they still fully get that, John. But it, it's a big, big deal. We are watching the weather all the time. It's and it's the only thing that we cannot control, and it's our biggest factor. Yeah, we we need the sunshine, but right now I think all of us are praying for some uh, some big heavy clouds that are carrying some moisture in there too. Well, John, man, I, I keep saying this. At the same We're, time, I, I I don't want a gully washer either. I'd like a nice inch of or two inches of rain over twenty four hours or oh, forty eight even. Yeah, that you would know be. What I, mean. I don't want two inches in twenty minutes. I I agree. No. I agree. It'd be, it'd be amazing. Talking about the weather and complaining about it at the same time. all right well uh hopefully you catch some rain soon john really appreciate the chance to talk to you here you take care guys Uh, enjoy your show keep up the good work you bet thank you appreciate it let's head down to oklahoma get tyler on with us right now tyler how's it going doing good doing good you guys doing okay you know, not too bad. We could use, uh, like like most years in South Dakota and probably in Oklahoma too, we could use a couple inches of rain. But other than that, it's going pretty good. Yeah, we've been fortunate this year so far. We've got some good rains, but uh, uh, always use a little bit more. Wouldn't hurt my feelings. But uh, anyway, I had a few questions. There's a farm that I'm fixing to take over, and it was farmed last year with just with a conventional just conventional and i'm taking it over and the guys pretty much just let it go the last four or five months and i take it over in july i just kind of wanted to pick your brain on what you thought might be the first step in getting the soil in the right right shape and as far as uh because i I will no-till farm it okay so tyler i guess I'll just tell you what we do when we pick up new ground or we're about to pick up new ground. So just for example, uh, Darren bought some ground here just in the last couple of weeks. We'll take that over next year for the next crop season. So what we want to do, we always look at uh, what dirt work do we have to do first? So are there any gullies we got to fix up? I mean, and and you're going in no-till, so also deep compaction. This is your one time that you may have to do some deeper tillage if they've got a hard pan down 12 inches. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm, that's, that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is actual moving physical dirt from one area of the field to the other. For us, a lot of times it is these, uh, like I say, gullies, ditches, washouts, any of that kind of stuff. We always look at, okay, what dirt work do we have to do first? The second thing we look at is drainage. Do we need to put some tile in the ground? The third thing would be we start talking about hey, we got to do a really good job soil testing, and we like doing one-acre grids. And I realize that's expensive, but I figure, hey, at least one time I want to do this, especially when we have never farmed the ground before, I want to get that fertility in as good a shape as possible. 
then what we do is we look at, okay, what we get the soil test results back in whatever, a week, 10 days, and we say, all right, what needs to get fixed here? And can I afford to do it all? So for us, I mean, we farm 3,200 acres of land. We own most of it. Darren and I have been farming for a really long time. So it's not like it's our first year or anything like that. So for us, the budget isn't that important. We'll do literally everything. So if I got to fix the P and the K and the sulfur and the zinc and the copper and the boron, we'll fix it all in one shot. And we'll do variable rate throughout the field. In some cases, because we might vary variable rate six or seven different things, it may mean we have to make two trips across because we've got a three compartment uh, spreader. So I'm, I'm just saying that's, that's our next investment. Now, if you say, well, look, I'm on a budget, then that's where we might say, you know, if you want to send us your soil test, we could tell you where we would spend the first dollars. Then I get to what Darren's talking about with that deep tillage thing, because in a lot of cases, we're going to put on uh, some pretty high rates of fertility, at least in certain areas of the field. And if we can, that's the one time where I would probably suggest tilling that in, because otherwise you're going to have phosphorus, zinc, copper, these immobile nutrients. They're going to be laying on the soil surface for a long time, like years, So, or right at the soil surface, and I don't want that. I want them deeper. So if I'm not going to inject them somehow or you know somehow place them down in the ground, I've got to do tillage at least the one time. And so this is basically the process that we go through. Then we, we seed that first crop hope for the best. And after that, then we could go to no-till or strip-till or whatever we choose to do. But it's all these steps in getting that ground, what we call ready for big-time yields before we ever get to even year one. Okay. Okay. That, that, that's kind of along the lines. I had, uh, I've had a lot of luck uh, pulling soil samples and sending them to OSU. They've been really good to work with Yeah. as far as getting some ground in shape and and going in the right direction would you the first time you tilled it as far as i'm going to put it in for winter wheat first of september sure when would you suggest uh, uh go ahead and breaking that ground up well like i say we kind of go through this process it's dirt work it's tile it's soil test then put the fertility on then do the tillage and we just like to get all the stuff done so I don't know how it is for rainfall in your area, just understanding what little I do about Oklahoma. It's usually hotter and drier than you would like. So you don't have this oh, yeah. issue maybe as much as we do, but sometimes if we don't get it done now, it might be a month before we can get it done because it rains and we're cold so that we don't get rid of the water. We have compaction issues to deal with, all that kind of stuff. So we just usually say, just get it done as soon as you can. And you know, the other big thing to think about here is what we're talking about is a one-time deal. We're not talking about just, oh, we're going to throw enough fertilizer on for this next crop. We're literally trying to fix the soil. Uh, so it could be we need lime on there or gypsum or whatever it is. All the things that we need, we want to try to get those done right off the bat so we can raise great crops after that point. Now, if it's just rented ground, we'll look at it a little bit differently. We might not fix everything, but we'll do at least what we can to kind of get by without spending a fortune. But boy, if we own ground, we are willing to invest because typically the investment pays off well. Hey, Tyler, we get a run, but if you've got any more questions anytime, you just give us a call back. And if you get those soil test results, we would love to take a look at them. 
Thanks for listening to today's Ag PhD radio show. Be sure to join us again each weekday. Now, stay tuned for Shark Farmer Radio. <laughs>